And speaking of give the word, this guy phones me up, says, I'd like to meet with you. I go, what's your name? He goes, it's Ryan. I go, Ryan who? Ryan Rempel. I'm going, oh, Ryan Rempel, that nails it. Now it was everything down in the worlds of Mennonites. <laughs> what do you do, Ryan? Ah, oh, I peddle Bibles. He didn't say that, but that's what I heard. I thought, oh, no, it's another salesman coming to my door. And uh, I think it started a while back. You had some Bibles for truckers. So I think we started talking, we met, and you gave me some Bibles for truckers that I was able to give to uh, uh, a company that's represented here at Seoul, and they were able to pass it out to uh, their truckers. And it was Bibles that were tailor-made for certain genres and different types of people, for youth and for, for moms and all, all different types of things. And that, that's really what the, the organization was doing. And then uh, so we built this relationship, and Ryan and I were talking, and then uh, you know, I began to share my vision for Soul Sanctuary and what we're all about here at Soul and what I want to see us do and how I want us to be a place to, to get the word out where we have to be brave like we just heard right now to be able to share our story. And then Ryan goes, well, I have an idea. And so today I've invited Ryan to come and to share his idea with all of us and the challenge that he's going to leave in your hands. So before uh, you pick up your Bible and hold on to it, you please welcome Ryan to the stage. My friend, come on up. Now pick up your gift, because this is your gift. Morning. You guys, like, got it going on here. This is awesome. <laughs> I think I figured out the will of God. <laughs> or I, I think I might be somewhat in line with the will of God. Saying that I figured it out just makes me look a little bit more awesome. But I truly believe it's to, number one, know God. Number two, make him known. And I think for most of us here today, Number one, we got down. We know God, kind of. As much as we can figure out about God, whatever it says in here, I think we know God. But I think making him known is a totally different story. And if somebody would have, if somebody would have come to me 12, 13 years ago and said, Ryan, in 13 years, or actually I've been in Bible ministry now for about six years, um, but if they would have said, at some point in your life, early on in your life, you're going to be giving away Bibles for a living, I would have laughed. I still laugh thinking that that's what I do. But that was, I was not in a point in my life where that was even a thought. I grew up in Landmark. Um, I grew up in, a, in an amazing home, a good godly home, had awesome parents, still have awesome parents. Um... But I spent about 10 years of my life totally giving up on my faith. Not that I didn't believe it, but I was just like, you know what, this is so not important. There's a lot of way more fun things to do than think about Jesus. And I spent 10 years trying to fill that hole with a lot of stuff, with a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, a lot of theft. Um, it sucked. It was fun at the time, but I remember going to bed at night, almost every night I'd go to bed just going, what am I doing? Like, this is, this is awful. But the next day would repeat itself. And uh, <laughs> when I started to get back into my faith, um, 
I remember, uh, I still wasn't nearly there at all, but I remember out of high school, right out of high school, I, I got a job at the, this place called AT&T. It was downtown at the Air Canada building. I was a telemarketer. It was the worst and the best job I ever had. I mean, people hated me. <laughs> I would call them at supper time and they just hated me. I can't even repeat a quarter of the things that were said to me on the phone. And I was trying to figure out how am I going to sell these people long distance plans. I just can't figure this out. Nobody wants to talk to me. And then I thought, I'm going to try something. So I remember, I remember on my uh, screen, I could, uh, I could see the, the name come up on my screen. It was outbound calling. So as soon as the phone would hang up, the call would go out again and there would be another person on the line. I got no breaks. I was just talking and talking and talking and getting shut down and getting sworn at. and It was a mess. So I figured, I need to make some money here. So this lady answers the phone and says, hi, my name is, uh, you know, or it's, uh, hi, this is Mrs. Fredrickson. And I was like, hi, Mrs. Fredrickson. This is Ryan Fredrickson calling from AT&T. And she was like, Fred, really? Your last name is Fredrickson? Yeah. And uh, I sold her. I had her. She bought it. And I was like, this might work. So every time I saw the person's name on the screen, I would use their last name as my last name. And we had amazing conversations. People would ask where I'm from. Oh, I'm from Italy and blah, blah, blah. And, and we had these amazing conversations. And at the end, it was, oh, by the way, I'm selling long distance. Sure, I'll buy it. It was awesome. And people couldn't figure out why I was doing so well. And there was no way I was going to tell them. I was blowing everybody out of the water. And I can't say that I would do that again today. Well, I might. Well, I, no, I, I probably wouldn't do that again today. But I realized through that that God was preparing me for something, and that was building relationships with people. Yes, I was lying to them. <laughs> but I actually enjoyed our conversations. And I really enjoyed getting to know some of these people. And some of these people started telling me their stories. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And uh, eventually... I did not like telemarketing, and I knew I had to make more money than that. I didn't need to. I wanted to. Um, and then I got into sales, and, and, and God gave me a gift for building relationships with people. And he made that very evident. I, I really enjoyed sales, and man, did I still get shut down. A lot of jobs I had, I got shut down big time. But I learned not to take it personally because it wasn't me they were rejecting. Is what I, it was what I was selling that they were rejecting. I remember what got me into ministry was I was, I was at work and, and, uh, and I was really starting to get back into my faith. And this was in my, um, I guess, close to mid-20s. And uh, I've always been fascinated with prisons. I, I love documentaries about prison. I love shows. I love driving past them and just looking at them. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I guess because I'm so thankful that I never had to actually go there. And quite honestly, I should have, for real. But I didn't. I never had to go there. But I remember being at work, and I'd be like, man, it'd be so cool to do something ministry-wise in a prison. I have no idea what that would look like. And at the time, um, I'm a musician. I've been a drummer since I was a little boy. And we were in a, I was playing with, uh, with Jody King. Many of you know who Jody King is. And I was in a worship band with her. And... and uh, God just put this burden on my heart to do something in a jail, and I didn't know what that looked like, but it was there. And I remember uh, 
the bass player called me at work one day, and he's like, hey, Ryan, um, I don't know if you'd be into this at all, but we just got a call from uh, the chaplain at Stony Mountain Penitentiary, and he's wanting to know if we want to lead worship there once a month. I was like, what? You've got to be kidding me. So I told him what I had just been thinking, and, and he's like, seriously? I was like, yeah, I, I'm in. Like, just let's, let's do this. So we did it, and we played for the, the special protected unit. We were there for two and a half years once a month, just leading worship and getting to know a lot of the guys there. And I realized that the character and the gift that God gave me for building relationships was really, really cool. Because we were playing for the worst of the worst, in our eyes anyways, men that we probably wouldn't think deserved a second chance. And we got to play for these guys and got to know them, and we were building relationships with these guys. They were just awesome guys. I figured out, man, the only reason why you're in here and I'm not is because I never got caught. And I'm really thankful for that. But these were some amazing guys that looked extremely intimidating. And I remember opening up to this one guy and started sharing my story a bit with him, and, and we ended up talking for about 10 minutes. And, and uh, uh, after we left, the chaplain came up to me and he said, do you know who that was? I said, no. And he said, that was the leader of the Indian Posse gang in Winnipeg. And he said, the fact that he even talked to you, or said a word to you, is amazing. And he said, he, he feels something. There's something about you that he wants. I was like, wow, this is crazy. And that's when I figured it out. God's will is to know God and make him known. So that started my career, or that started my passion for ministry, is being with those guys and just God just taking the fear, like totally taking the fear out of sharing my faith. And most of them rejected it, absolutely. But the fact that we're actually allowed to do this here and the worst response that we receive here is no, that really made me think, wow, we have absolutely no excuse why we're not telling people about Jesus all the time if the worst response here we get is no. I was at a job um, a little while after that that I just hated. Hated it. It was the worst. And I remember being at my, I, finally I just, I, I had enough, I just quit. And we had a baby and we had a mortgage and my wife was like, what are you doing? And I just said, I can't be here anymore. Uh, and I was the only income of our, of our family. So it scared me to death, scared my wife to death even more. And I remember being at my uh, in-laws uh, and on the way there I was just like, oh God, just please give me a job. I got to go tell my father-in-law that I quit. Uh. And... Uh, so we were at my in-law's place, and my, my father-in-law um, was on the board of, of a Bible ministry, and, and uh, he ended up sharing with me uh, uh, that, uh, that they weren't able to find a director to, to lead their ministry, and, and this and that, and he wasn't expecting me to take the job at all or be interested in it. He was just kind of venting. And, uh, and I just said, yeah, I think I can do that. And he's like, huh, I don't know. And I said, yeah, I think I can do this. And I said, I, I want to try. And he said, well, you're going to have to meet with the board then uh, without me there and, you know, convince them that you're the guy for the job. And then this was like seven years ago. And, uh, you know, my 
arms were covered in tattoos and I had these huge earrings in and my hair was crazy and like, man, these guys are never going to hire me to be the director of their Bible ministry, <laughs> but I'm going to try. So I met with the board and they're like, yeah, you're the guy for the job. And uh, I was just, okay, I have no idea what to do though. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember going into my office on my first day and you know I, I had an administrator there and then it was just me. And I was just like, so... I'm your boss, you're way older than me, and I have no idea what to do. Somehow I was supposed to grow a ministry by giving away Bibles and raising money to do it. And I remember sitting at my desk just going, oh man, what have I done? This is not good. And I've, I have never spoken publicly before, and a couple days after I started, I get this I get this pastor that comes in and says, hey, would you like to come speak at our church um, on Sunday? No. <laughs> That's not what I said. I said yes, but I'm thinking no. And I was like, oh, just make me sick or something. I don't want to go. But I said, yeah, sure. So I ask him, you know, what, what kind of time limit do I have uh, to talk? Like, you just want me to present the ministry a little bit, like five, ten minutes kind of thing? He's like, no, 40 minutes. Oh, Great. Yep, see you Sunday. I don't even know what I'm doing yet. And uh, I remember on my piece of paper, I'm writing down, okay, I guess I could talk about this. We give away Bibles. We need some money to do that. I got about 10 minutes of stuff here, at most. And I remember showing up there on Sunday morning, just, oh my goodness, I have no idea what to say. I just prayed, God, give me the words. Give me the words to speak. And I get up there and just, I didn't barf. I was just, <laughs> the words started coming out. And I was speaking from my heart and I was sharing my passion for people and I was sharing my passion for the word of God. And I had to cut myself off. Because I was just, I had more to say. But 40 minutes was up and I was done. <clears throat> and I knew that I was where I was supposed to be. <clears throat> God's designed each and every one, one of us for evangelism. That's what he put us here for, to know God and to make him known. That is our purpose here. Lots of other stuff, stuff goes in line with the will of God too, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff that we, that we need to concentrate on. But I think those are the two main things that we have to concentrate on. And God's given us each of us a gift and a character trait to use to bring people into relationship with him. And I think we need to find it, and use it. And if we're not using it to bring people into relationship with Jesus, then what in the world are we here for? <clears throat> I can't figure that out. If I'm not sharing Jesus with people around me, what am I here for? Then it's just life. It's just, I'm just waiting to die and can't wait to go to heaven and I'll just wait here in the meantime. I got to be put to use for something. God has had to have put me here for something. And that's to bring people into relationship with him. Think of the joy that you have in knowing that you are loved and saved through Christ. And then think of the joy that you are robbing people of when you don't share that with them. We're actually robbing them of joy when we don't share this with our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers and our family. Because somehow we feel like I don't think that they're important enough to step out of my comfort zone. And I don't think we think that word for word but to them, 
That's what it sounds like. Evangelistic Christians are absolutely the most joyful and happier, happiest believers that I know. And I find extreme joy in taking the gospel to others and then allowing them to respond. Whether they respond negatively or positively, I find joy in it because I'm knowing, I know that I'm doing the will of God. I am stepping out of my comfort zone for him. And there's joy in sharing this message. I was, at, uh, I was going to a board meeting in North Carolina last week, and I was going, uh, I had stopped over at the Charlotte uh, uh, airport, and I, had the, I was waiting there for my ride for about two hours. And uh, I was sitting on a bench, uh, about three benches down from this other guy, and he was this really intimidating-looking guy. He had you know, huge tattoos, and his hair was all nuts, and he had this crazy deep voice, and he was talking to this girl, and God just gave me this nudge to go talk to him. And I'm just going, uh-uh. Not here. I'm here for a board meeting. I'm not working. And, uh, and God's just like, no, this is your job. You need to talk to this guy. So I just stood around and just waiting and waiting for this girl to leave so I could go sit on the bench beside this guy. Plenty of other benches to sit on. So she finally left and I go and sit beside this guy. And uh, he asked, you know, first thing he asked me is, what are you here for? What do you do for a living? And I told him. And he's like, oh, that's it. And I was like, oh, man, this is not going to go good. And then he says to me, you know, my girlfriend and I just had a kid um, a couple years ago, and she's really been trying to get me to go to church. And I just can't do it. Then he says, she's... She's going to this JW church, uh, Jehovah's Witness. He's like, that, he's, she was just like, that place just give me the, gives me the creeps, and for some reason I just, I just don't feel like I should be going there. And he said, I, I think there is a God, and, 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 I, and I think there, there's probably a, a Jesus. But I said, for some reason I just don't feel comfortable going there. <clears throat> and so I got to share my faith with him um, and tell him about my church experience and, and what goes on at our church. And and he's just like, oh, man, that sounds so cool. And I was like, really? Okay. And I reached into my bag and I said, can I give you a Bible? He said, yeah, that'd be great. And I gave him a Bible and he's like, oh, man, I can just have this? And I said, yeah, it's yours. And he's like, oh, dude, thanks, man. I, I, I'm going to read this. And we kept on talking and at the end he said, you know what? He lives in Jacksonville, Florida, and he said, when I get back home, I'm going to find a church. And would you pray for my girlfriend that she would join me? And I said, yeah. And I got up and we shook hands and, and I left and I was so happy. I was so happy for him. I was happy for God that he got to witness this experience and I was happy for myself because I obeyed that nudge because every single part of me did not want to go talk to this guy. Every fiber of my being was saying, don't do this. But there's that little nudge that God gives that says, yeah, do it. And what would I have robbed him from if I wouldn't have opened my mouth? Everything. I would have robbed him of everything. Not to say that somebody else wouldn't have had a conversation about this with him sometime in his life, but maybe not. We don't know that. 
There's over a hundred verses in the Bible that give a call for evangelism. Over a hundred. I think, I think that this might have been important to Jesus. If there are a hundred, over a hundred verses in the Bible that tell us to share their faith. And that was one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples was to go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before Jesus went to heaven. That's one of the last things that he said. The Great Commission. It wasn't the Great Suggestion, it was the Great Commission. Uh, commission. And I think that we take it as the Great Suggestion because most of us don't like doing it or do it at all, in- including myself. I don't take the opportunities, as many opportunities as I should, nearly 100% of the time, but I'm getting better, and I'm getting better, and I'm getting better because I keep doing it. I'm just going to read a couple of them here. Colossians 3, verse 16, let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Mark 16, 15, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone so that anyone who believes will be saved. Romans 10, 13 to 14, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they haven't heard of him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? How are people going to know who Jesus is if we don't open our mouths and share that with them? Did you know that only 5% of Christians in North America share their faith? Five. Blew my mind. And I talked to a bunch of pastors about this, and I said, can this be true? And I was at a conference that shared this uh, statistic with me, and I was like, is this, like, are you serious? And every pastor I talked to said, yeah, absolutely, that might even be high. How are we ever going to win Canada or Winnipeg or your block or our nation, for Jesus, if only 5% of us are sharing it with people around us. We won't. It's as simple as that. There's an urgency to the message of salvation. And we don't have an endless amount of time. And the one thing that you cannot do in heaven is share your faith. That time is done. You had a lifetime to do it. Hopefully you did it. but whoever is not in heaven with you is lost. And either that's because they totally rejected it or because nobody took the time to actually talk to them. But when you're sharing your faith, you need to recognize what people might be giving up for accepting Christ. And this is where the rejection part comes in. People are scared to accept Christ because of what they're going to have to give up. Some just don't want to talk to you because they don't want to talk. But when they really actually put it into thought, man, if I accept Jesus, I can't imagine what my family would say. How would I tell them that? How am I going to tell my coworkers that I'm, that I'm a, a, a Christian? I, I can't do that. So be sensitive to what people might be giving up for accepting Christ, and it's biblical 2 Timothy 3, verse 12 says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. You will be in some shape or form. You might not be killed and tortured for it, but you might be made fun of. You might be rejected. You might lose some friends. You might lose relationship with family. 
And I've seen it happen. This guy named Todd comes into my office one day, and, uh, and he's holding up this Bible, and he just says, do you have a few minutes? I, I, need, I need to talk to you. And I said, uh, no, I don't have any time. I, I, I'm leaving. Um, can you come back a different time? And he said, yeah, sure. Ten minutes later, he knocks on my door again and says, do you have time yet? <laughs> yes, I do. And he says, uh, I need to know what you do here. Um, because I got this Bible, and the logo on the back of my Bible matched the logo on your door, and I just happened to be walking by. And he said, uh, I received this Bible, and I thought it was just a book. But uh, when I brought it home with me, I started reading, because I love to read, and I realized that I was reading through the Bible for the first time in my life. So whatever you do here, save me. And he said, I just want to let you know that I've accepted Jesus because that's the only conclusion I could come to at the end of this book, was that I had to do that. Wow. Wow. He's become a really good friend of mine. Um, we talk a lot. And he said, Ryan, everything changed when I accepted Jesus. My wife kicked me out of the house. He said, I didn't leave because God, it says in here that God's hate, God hates divorce. So I'm not leaving. So I made a room in, the, room in the basement. But before I knew Jesus, if she would have done that, that would have been it. Done. We're over. But I'm not supposed to do that because it says in here I'm not. So I'm staying. He said, my kids hate me. They mock me at supper time when we pray, when I pray. He said, my family rejects me. And I've never been happier. And he said something to me that really, really hit home one day. We were out for coffee, and he said, Ryan, he said, I'm not saying this directly to you, but I'm saying this to people like you, to people who have grown up in a Christian home that have known God for years. And he said, why are you robbing me, people like me, of eternity with Jesus? And he said, when I got saved, I found out that there was 12 other people in my office that were Christians too. And suddenly they wanted to talk about it with me because they knew I was. But they never said a word to me when I wasn't. And he said, you Christians are robbing people of eternity by keeping your mouth shut. And it's not fair because I almost died two years ago in a drunk driving accident. That was my fault. And what would have happened to me if I would have died? And he said, that's on you. Because you don't talk about your faith. It's not the most important thing in your life because you never talk about it. If it's the most important thing in your life, that should be the thing that you're talking about the most. Brought me to tears. He's absolutely correct. And this guy is a powerhouse, man. He comes to my office, he loads his truck up with Bibles, and he's just like, you have to read this, you have to read this, you have no idea what it's going to do for your life, you need to take this book. He could care less what people say to him. And he's an inspiration to me. And we need to be on duty at all times. All times, be on duty. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. I remember when I, when I started Give the Word. Uh, by the way, Give the Word's only 18 months old. Um, God put this burden on my heart to start this ministry I just have a passion of getting the Word of God into people's hands. And God provided 
I should have said this at the beginning, but I'm going to say this real quick because it's not the most important part. But uh, God put this burden on my heart to start this ministry, and I said, God, if you're in this, I need you to provide. And the day after I decided to start this ministry, a man walked up to me and gave me a brand new office and warehouse space to work out of rent-free. I was terrified to start this ministry because we have three kids and a mortgage and I got a wife and you know I need to make a living. And I was scared to death to do it. But God provided. And then a, sh a shipping company came on board and said, Ryan, we're going to do all your shipping for free. And then Tyndale Publishing came on board and said, um, Ryan, you know those 10,000 Bibles you wanted for $8 a piece? Yeah. Well, we're going to give those to you for $2.38, our cost, because we just like what you're doing. And I was like, what is going on? And then I had my support raised. And we were only a month in, and it's as if we've been running for two years already. And in 18 months, we've been able to give away close to 35,000 Bibles to about 430 different ministries across Canada. And it's growing. I just had to hire two staff because I just couldn't keep up. The Word of God is going out as we challenge people to share their faith and be bold in sharing their faith. We just give these Bibles away. Yes, people make donations for them if they can afford them, but so many people can't. And even the ones who can, we still give them away. We just want God to be known and then for people to share that with somebody else. So we do whatever we can to put Bibles into people's hands to give away because ministry starts at home. Ministry starts in your backyard. Ministry starts at work. Ministry starts in your doctor's office. It starts right here, and we want to equip people to do that. And it starts and ends with a burden. We need to have a burden to share it with people. If you don't have a burden for the person, for the people around you, you're probably not going to do it. But if you care about the people around you, you're going to do it. Jesus did it. Jesus did it with the woman at the well going through Samaria. That wasn't a shortcut to get home. But he knew that he had to go see a burned out immoral woman because he had a burden to care for her and to bring her into relationship with him. So don't think of sharing your faith as interrupting your life. They're divine interruptions. Take those moments. It's usually at the time that feels most uncomfortable, that's the time to share your faith. If it feels too comfortable, you're probably just talking to another Christian. <laughs> I'm serious, though. When it feels really uncomfortable, do it. And don't be scared of what's going to happen back because the worst response you're going to get is no. And if you've ever been in some sort of customer service or sales position, you've experienced worse than no. Guaranteed. I got a quick video that I want to show you um, of what Give the Word kind of does. Um, I wish I could explain every picture here because all these pictures have a story. But these are pictures of people who have stepped out in faith, for some of, most of them for the first time in their life, to give away a Bible. And there's also people that have received the Bible that have now come into relationship with Jesus. And uh, if you want to play that video, it's like three minutes long, and then I'm going to um, give you a challenge at the end of that.
So my challenge to you today is this. Would you take this Bible and give it away this week? Keep it with you in your car. Keep it with you in your purse, briefcase, or whatever you got. Keep it with you for a week. And find a time where it feels really uncomfortable and give it away. And then what I want you to do is each Bible has one of these cards on it. Write down how you gave that Bible away, whether God just nudged you to put it in your neighbor's mailbox, whether it developed you into a conversation, whether you got socked in the face for giving it away. That would be awesome to get a card like that back. Get punched in the face for giving a Bible away. <laughs> but would you do this? Would you, I'm going to do it too. Whether you're five years old, whether you're 95, give it away. If you're a married couple, it doesn't count as one. You're two people. Both do it. Would you join me in doing that? Can you do that? Awesome. Awesome. So if you, um, if you go on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook. It's just givetheword.ca. For every person that joins the Facebook page, we give a Bible away. I want to thank you for having me here today. My point, I hope I got my point across, across. Know God and make him known. Give a Bible away this week. And I want to thank you so much for having me here this morning. So here's, here's the deal. Don't take it if you're not going to do it. And if you're not going to do it, that's fine. But I already know where mine are going. And if you want to take a couple more and you're going to do it, that's great. But I do expect that you would fill out a card and tell the story. And when you come back next week and or the week after, you drop it off at the info center and we'll gather it all. And then maybe we'll start putting them up online and we'll share them with you as well. They can be anonymous. You don't need to sign your names. Just tell us your story. And I'm going to ask Ryan to uh, give a, a benediction over us and then I will give the blessing. And then you guys will usher us out with a little bit of pink and being brave, yeah? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the freedom that we have to do this. Thank you so much that we live in a place where there is absolutely no consequence for sharing our faith. We're allowed to proclaim your name. God, I just pray that, uh, that you would give each and every one of us courage to do this, Lord, and give us courage to do it again and again and again. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing day. I just pray, God, that you would just bless each and every one of these people as they go out, Lord, and just give them boldness like you never have before. We've invited you here today, Lord. Thanks for being here with us. I thank you so much, Jesus. Amen. In ancient time, the one who blessed extended his hands for a blessing. Those receiving a blessing did likewise. You have your Bible in your hand. There's also New Testaments ready for, to be handed out for Halloween. You can grab those on the way out as well. So you guys have power. And may the power of the Holy Spirit be upon you. May you be open to his leading and listening to his instruction. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this week as you deposit these in the lives of people who need to hear the news. Mm. Be blessed and we'll see you next week.